I got Melissa to sing that song because I find that, you know, for us as believers, though life is challenging, and though the clouds gather, and though the lightning flashes, and though the thunder rolls, many of us in here have purposed in our heart to be disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ and to follow Jesus. Amen? However, I've noticed something in the kingdom of God, and you've noticed it too, is that whenever you make that decision to really follow hard after Jesus, you make that decision to offer up your body as a living sacrifice, it seems like as soon as you make that decision that to follow Jesus, here comes the enemy to launch an attack on your life. And why does he do it? He does it because he wants to stop you to continue in the faith. Matter of fact, the Bible says, if you continue, the word is if there, if you continue in your faith and you're established and firm and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel, then you're going to make it. So what the Bible is saying is that we start well, but we don't always finish well. And we see that a lot with new believers. We see that a lot with just uh, folks in the church is that we start out. I mean, come on. All of you in here decided to lose about 200 pounds during the turn of the year. And y'all were all gung-ho about it. And now what are we in? And now you're not even dieting anymore. So we start well, right? But we never really finish well. And the same goes with our spiritual walk. So in between start and finish, there is a place called... Stuck. Somebody say stuck. I think a lot of us get stuck. And this is a place in in our walk with God that if we're not careful, we'll end up going through the motions of faith. We'll end up going through uh, the motions of church. And then what happens is we experience the imitation of faith and the imitation of church. And we don't really have the abundant life that the Word of God has promised us. So understand with me, church, is the global church, the church across America has focused on salvation, which is good, but we say very little in our church services about getting set free. Winning people to Jesus is important. Matter of fact, you will hear an altar call today. Come any given Sunday and you'll hear me giving an altar call. You throw me a funeral, baby, I'll put an altar call in there. You ask me to do your wedding, I'll probably work it in too. I'm going to try to get people saved, amen? And we say a lot about salvation, but but once you get saved, that's not the end of the process. It's not just I got fire insurance, right? It's not the end of the process. So we can't assume that when people in this church have received Jesus or have received salvation, that all of us in this room are set free. Because the reality is, church, you can be saved and still not be free. Oh, that's, that's real good right there. Saved from the penalty of sin, but not liberated from the power of sin. See, we have to understand that Christ eradicated the penalty of sin over 2,000 years ago when He shed His blood on cross of Calvary. He defeated the penalty of sin by paying the bill for me. But through substitution, He stood in for me. It should have been me on that cross, but He knew I couldn't handle it. I couldn't endure it. So He stepped in for me. Therefore, when I believe in the Lord 
Jesus Christ, though my sins are red, uh, or though my sins are before Him, He begins to cover them and wash them as white as snow. Are you hearing me this morning? So all of us in this room, at one point or another, have sin. Okay, and, and I need to be clarify here. When I say sin, I don't mean sins. I'm saying sin because I'm talking about the state of sin. All of you were born into the state of sin. Why? Because of Adam when he ate that apple. All of us are born into the state of sin. That's why the Bible says all fall short of the glory of God. But here's the deal. Even though we're saved from the state of sin, we still operate day to day and sometimes we practice sin. We fall into sinful things. We have been saved from the state of sin, but we still have sinful ways. Crossed over, if you will, the fallen nature, the old man makes me a sinner. But when I accept Christ, He paid the debt for the penalty of sin or the state of sin. However, we have to continuously be delivered or continuously be saved from the power of sin. And that's why the Bible says that He has given us the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit helps us to overcome sin because He empowers us that we might resist the enemy so that He shall flee. And all of that is the fundamental basics of salvation. But that's really not what I want to talk to you about today. I want to go deeper than the basic fundamentals of salvation. Because the reality is, church, when we come to God... We come to God with a great deal of baggage, don't we? Your pastor calls it junk in the trunk, okay? We, we come with a great deal of baggage. We are not just sinners who are saved. We are people who in many cases give our life to Christ, but in the process, whether in the past or even in the present or sometime in the future, we have been sinned against. Oh, none of y'all been sinned against? Nobody's ever hurt you in your life? How many of you have ever been hurt by somebody? Okay, so you have been sinned against. We have been victims of their hurt. We have been victimized in life. So people early in life can get victimized. Some in this room have been victimized physically. Some in this room have been victimized sexually. Some emotionally, some financially, victimized, victims of an adjustment, victims of a mistreatment by somebody else that's hurt us. We have been, in essence, abused. And when you have been victimized, here you are, you come to church. The church teaches you about Jesus. You get saved, that took care of the state of sin, but it still doesn't set you free from being sinned against by somebody else. Are you hearing me this morning? So here we are. We're saved and we're confused. You're thinking, wait a minute, Pastor, I got saved, but I'm still not free. Why am I not free, Pastor? Why don't I feel the freedom that Christ promised me? After all, we just read, Pastor, who the sun sets free is free indeed. How do I get the free indeed part? Not in theory free, 
But how do I go beyond being intellectually free? Oh, I know what the Bible says, Pastor. Whom the sun sets free is free indeed. How do I go past the intellectual aspect into being experientially free? That I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that all chains are gone. Amen? Because church, there is a great deal of difference between being secured from sin and being delivered from the oppressor. It's kind of like Israel. They came out of Egypt, which is a type of sin, but as they were running, they still had thoughts of Pharaoh. They still thought about their oppressor. Secured from Egypt, but still being delivered from old Pharaoh. Because what you have to understand, church, is back in biblical times, God told Moses, He said, get a death angel, and I am going to pass by you if there is blood on that doorpost. Which that represents the blood of Jesus Christ being over our lives. But what I love about it is that Moses tells the men. He said, teach each man to get a lamb for his house. Every man was to get a lamb. Where, where are my men at this morning? Oh, we all got women in here. Where are my men at this? God, where are y'all today? Where are my men at? I ought to get you to stand up just to shake the sleepiness out of you. Every one of you, you need a lamb for your house. <laughs> now all the visitors are like, oh, this is one of them cuckoo churches, right? You need a lamb for your house. Not just for you, but for your house. What are you talking about, Pastor? You've got to learn that once you get saved, that the blood has covered me. But now I need to start covering my house with the blood of Jesus Christ. That means that you're not only providing physically and financially for your family, but now you've moved into the spiritual realm and you know how to spiritually protect your family because it was the man who had to get the lamb for his house and every man in this room needs to learn how to get in touch with Jesus, how to get the blood covered over your life and then begin to cover it over your home. One of the sisters like, woo, preach it to my husband. <laughs> Every man in here, you need to learn how to have a personal experience with your God. Because when the man dipped his hands in the blood of the Lamb, inevitably everything that he then began to touch was affected. And sooner or later, when you have a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, inevitably everything in your home is going to be affected by the power of God. Are you hearing me this morning? So God told Moses, take a, a blood and put it over the door frame of your home, which represents our life. And he said, the death angel is going to come through and he's going to seek whom to destroy. But if the man will put the blood on the house, when I see the blood, the Bible says, God said, I will pass over your house. Somebody say, pass over. Say it again. Say, pass over. 
See, it gets me excited just to think about the things that have passed over my house because I know the blood of Jesus Christ is over my family. I'm talking about church, those things that could have happened and those things that would have happened and those things that should have happened. But because of the blood over my life, the death angel looked and said, I can't touch this. I can't touch her. I can't touch that kid. Not because of my righteousness, but because of the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. Can you give Him praise in this place? All the new people look at somebody that goes here regularly and say, does he always get this excited? The enemy cannot get through the blood. He can't touch me and he can't touch my house. All of you right now, all the men, just shout out your address. Come on, right now, just shout it out. 1825 Kings Road. That's where we need the blood. Right there is where we need the blood. Jesus, whatever address it was, covered in the blood of Jesus so all of us can rest in peace. All of us can wake up in peace. And all of us can move about our house in peace. Can you say amen? I don't know about you. Maybe I'm just crazy, but I don't want no curses on my house. I don't want no hexes on my house. And I don't want no bondages in my house. I don't want my wife to be bound to anything, me to be bound to anything. I don't want my kids to be bound. No barriers in my house. So it is a fight for the soul of my house. And what I'm trying to tell you is that I've taught you on the power of the blood. I've taught you about generational curses. I've taught you how to be a responsible Christian. We all know about the blood. I could preach on the blood and every one of you be like, Woo-hoo-hoo-hoo! praise the Lord. Because we understand because of the blood, salvation is there. And again, I say my problem is not the basic fundamentals of faith. The church has been teaching that for years. The problem with the church of America is we're not leading you through the Red Sea, which leads to liberation. And that's what the Israelites did. They came away from Pharaoh. They went through the Red Sea. Then there was another step that we don't teach you. We don't teach you how to navigate the wilderness. So we can preach good and get a bunch of people saved. But you're still going to be stuck up under the oppression of those that have sinned against you. Of those who have hurt you. And it lasts a long, long time. And I want you to understand with me, church, that there is more wrong with us than the simple fact that we've come to Jesus Christ as sinners. Many of you in this place today have the scars and the wounds because you have been sinned against. And because you have been sinned against, that comes with anger. That comes with helplessness. You could be bound to fits of rage because being hurt leads to rage. It comes with domestic violence. All our cops in here, you're seeing the manifestation of hurt and pain in people's life when you go to a domestic violence call. With that comes abuse. With that comes hostility. With that comes our problems and our defunctions. With that comes our fear and anxiety and distrust. With that comes negative feelings about ourselves and low self-esteem. Why? Because we have been sinned against and we have the hurt and the pain. We may be saved, 
but we're not saved from the hurt and the pain. And some of you wonder, how in the world, pastor, can I be saved and have all these feelings? How can I be saved but angry? How can I be saved but live in fear? How can I be saved but still confused in my mind? How can I be saved but have such negative feelings towards myself? How can I be saved, go to church, sit up under some pretty good preaching, and go home and still live in bondage? It's because you're not free. And people in here are questioning, what good is the blood on my life if I'm still living with the scars of Pharaoh? Still living with the scars of Of that person that hurt me. Pastor tell me. How can I get free? Understand with me church. There are three kinds of people in this room. And there will be three kinds of people. That you will encounter on a day to day basis. If you're taking notes. The first one is this. Is the predator. And I'm not talking about. A movie here. Christians can be predators. It's a person that inflicts hurt on other people. They hurt you. They abuse you. When I say abuse, don't think physical. You can be mentally abused, emotionally abused. A predator can be somebody at your workplace that you were lining yourself up for the promotion, but that dirty little rotten rascal had a private little conversation with the manager and they got it over you when you were more qualified. And it hurts you. You can live with that. They manipulated the system to get your job. You can be in bondage to that. It's a predator mentality. They can oppress you mentally, emotionally, or physically. Then if you're the victim... Of the predator. That leads us to the second one. Victim. You have innocently received some sort of negative impact because of the predator. You have been hurt. You have been hurt physically. You've been hurt emotionally. You've been hurt mentally. You've been hurt sexually. You can be hurt economically. There you are. Victim. And if you're not careful, you can get stuck there being a victim. And I I preached a whole entire message about the victimized mentality. And usually if we get stuck there, it leads us to the third type, which is the victimized predator. The victimized predator are those people that have been hurt. And then eventually they say, I'm going to act out on everybody else what has been done to me. And these are the people who act out their past experiences. That is why when you grow up in a home and you have been slapped, you have been kicked, you have been abused, you have been cursed at, you live in a very hostile growing up environment, then you grow up and now you're slapping and you're abusing and you're kicking and you're cursing. But then when you do it, you hate what you do, but you're unable to stop what you do. And you would be amazed at the people in this room who never grew up in physically abusive homes, but the atmosphere when they went home was negatively charged and hostile and they had to walk through the tulips on their tiptoes because they didn't want to make mommy or daddy mad. Listen to me. Today, 
your past has become your present normal. Today, that's normal for you. A victimized predator will act out their past and it becomes normal. So today, those people are only happy when they recreate in their life or in their family what happened in the past. Why? That seems crazy to me, Pastor, because they have a false perception of what normalcy really is. These are the people that I call they're hard to love. Because when you do try to love them, they're going to dislike you because subconsciously they don't feel worthy of your love. So they then resent you and talk you out of loving them. So therefore they attack you. Why? Because a fight to them seems normal. And they can't receive somebody that wants to be good to them. And the victimized predator has not really given themselves permission to be blessed. They have not given themselves permission to enjoy life or to be happy or to enjoy love. Why? Because they are not happy until things are wrong. How can that be? Because they grew up in a bad experience and they were hurt. And because that experience was bad... It has become their normal and they're now bound to it. And they're not set free from it. And usually, lean in. Y'all ready for this? These are the people that run into the church. These are the people that seek out the church for help. They come in here. And look, this is, this is not to condemn don't, don't, don't sit there in the posture like, oh, he's coming after me. Because... No, this is, is, this is to help. Because I love you. Because I want all of us to be set free. But what we do is, is we come in here, and usually the people that run to the church... Now, now, come back next Sunday, okay? Because what I'm about to say, you'll be like, ain't that. Usually we come in here, and our emotions are out of, out of whack. Our minds are scrambled like eggs. Emotionally, if we were to look at it, it looks like spaghetti. And eventually, we get on boards. We get on worship teams. We're opening doors. We're passing out bulletins. And we're smiling. God bless you. Good morning. Oh, I'm saved and filled with the Holy Ghost. How are you? We put on a smile, but privately, we're living in the hell that we're not set free. We are saved. All of us love the Lord. But we're not free. And we can't figure out what in the world is wrong with me. And understand the children of Israel. They had to go from being in Egypt. To eventually they had to go in to the Red Sea. And out of the Red Sea. And then they had to go through the wilderness. In order to finally Live in the promised land. So understand when you were saved, your spirit is immediately recreated. That's why the Bible says the old is gone, the new has come. You are a new creation in Christ Jesus. Your spirit has been recreated by the power of God. I am a new creation. But not in my mind. Not in my mind, am I? My spirit got saved when the blood was applied to my life. But my mind is still not set free from the hurt of the person that oppressed me.
The children of Israel had to go through the wilderness to live in the promised land. And for the New Testament believer, your wilderness is right here in your mind. What is the wilderness? You've got to go through it. The wilderness is the place like a desert that resists growth. And we'll get into that next Sunday. Wilderness is a place like a desert that, 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 that lacks irrigation. It is the dry place where the memories and the past experiences are there. And we've got to go from salvation through the wilderness to be set free. How the Bible says it clearly be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So until you come to a point in your Christian walk that you no longer see yourself as a victim, until you get to the point that growth is trading positions with my predator, you will never be free in your mind. And some people only play two roles in life, either the victim or the predator. And the victims always live for the chance to to act out what the predator has done. And then their anger in their life is really an indication to you, telling you, somebody hurt me. You just see it as they're mad and they're angry. But deep down they're crying out, somebody has hurt me. And I just wonder this morning as I prepared and I prayed, as any way, is anybody in this room acting like the predator in your life. I wonder if you grew up in a home where there was barking and yelling and screaming and warring. And every day goes by, don't look now, but you're becoming just like them. Oh, you're still saved. You're going to heaven. You come to the church, you still clap your hands, you still say hallelujah, you still lift your hands, but now you're a victimized predator. And these are the people that keep doing wrong and saying to their kids and saying to their wife, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to flip out on you like I did. I don't really want to keep hurting you like I do. For some people, I don't know why I keep jumping from church to church to church. I don't know why I keep jumping from job to job to job and can't hold down a job. I know why. It's because you're stuck. You're stuck in the wilderness of your mind. You are saved, but until you're set free in your mind, your mind will constantly be in turmoil. Go with me to Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Y'all learning anything? Remember, I'm just setting the table for next week, and we're going to feast next week, okay? Y'all with me? Okay. Next week's going to be good. I got to come out of there. Lord, help us. How many of you want to be set free? How many would say you got some junk in your trunk? rest of you liars. You really are. I love you, but you are. Romans 12, 1. Unless you walked on water and floated in your britches, you got something in your life. Right? Lord knows I do. Uh, For all you visitors, please come back next Sunday. 
I promise you, I'll be more gentler. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. This is talking about your lifestyle. This is talking about your thoughts, your ideas, your philosophies that look so much like the world that we've given in to the world ideologies. We've given in to all this junk on the internet. Instead of transforming our mind to have kingdom thinking. Do not conform to the pattern of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Not renewing our mind is the problem. If your mind never gets renewed, you will be stuck in the wilderness forever. And this is why most people go into the wilderness experience and they shut down. This is why most people go into the wilderness experience and they leave church. This is why most people go into the wilderness experience and they leave the faith. Because they never get transformed by the renewing of their mind. And for those that may be in here and you're stuck, and for those of you that may be in here and say, well, you know, Pastor Church really don't cut it for me and I'm just here because somebody invited me. Let me tell you why. You got saved. You know about salvation. But you really don't know about liberation. You don't know about being set free. Yes, your spirit is recreated. But you're still dealing with all the issues that are messed up in your mind. So what do people do? People that come to church, that they're just stuck. Well, here's the deal. Is we get saved, and then we wrestle with, why do I still have this anger? Church is really not helping me. So, either I leave the church or I still come to the church. Well, here I am messed up with my mind, but... Looks like all these jokers are set free. I mean, look how high those hands are in the air. Look how loud that one shouted. They, they must be set free. And then the enemy deals with you. There's something wrong with you. So now I come back to church and, and I, I feel like I have to act like I'm liberated. <laughs> so being in the church, I feel the pressure of being presentable and acceptable. Because all these other people look free. I'm the only one in here that's not free. Then with this pressure that is on us to be presentable and acceptable, it becomes so overwhelming that really you never get set free. So you never come to the altar to get set free. You never get prayed for to get set free. Why? Because now that you're acting like you're set free, and especially with, with a small town, then guess what? We're worried about what sister so-and-so is going to think about us. We're too worried about our image. We're too worried about what the community is going to think. We're too worried about what the hairdresser is going to think. We're too worried about what the cops going to think. We're too worried about what our Christian friends are going to think. So we'll just come in here and I'm saved. How you doing? Good to see you. God is great. Hallelujah. Saved and set free. (laughs) Right? (laughs) So we got too many stinking Christians acting like they're liberated. 
And then after, how you doing? Good to see you. You go home, you cuss out your wife, you begin to yell at your kids, and you prove to your home that truly you aren't set free. (laughs) Oh, Lord. You're stuck. And I find that most people who are stuck, because they act... We come into church and believe that our church experience should be formalized and institutionalized. So we come up in here all institutionalized and formalized. When God never meant for the church to be an institution, He meant for it to be a place where you come to experience the power and the presence of God. You come in being real, going, I've got some problems in my life. Excuse me, the pastor had an altar call, and I'm going to get down here and get prayed for. Instead of sitting here like this. He ain't talking to me. He's talking to them over there. Sure is some good preaching, don't you think so? Right? How do you know that's what you do? Are you so prideful that you just stand there like that? I hate him. So the people who are stuck institutionalize it instead of have a God encounter. So here you are, stuck in your mind. Acting every Sunday. Stuck and I can't tell anybody. Stuck and I can't articulate it. Stuck and I can't figure out the way that I am and everybody else looks set free. So I'm stuck and I'm worried about it. And I don't think God really loves me because I'm not coming out of it so I get depressed about it. And then if I do feel the move of the Holy Spirit and I do go down the altar, then I'm embarrassed about it. And then I walk out of here, everybody's looking at me, and then I'm ashamed about it. I'm stuck and I'm confused. I'm saved. I'm going to heaven, but I'm stuck. Look at your neighbor and say, are you stuck? Now, don't wait for an answer because they're not going to tell you. Okay? Oh, no. I'm not stuck. It's the person over there. I mean, seriously, do we really tell anybody we're stuck? No. I mean, think about it logically. You do not go on the first date and sit down and go, Hello, my name is Tommy and I'm a freak. I'm disoriented. I have anger issues and I will throw temper tantrums on you. You know, I'm really wild at heart and I cannot be counted on. I will not be stable in this relationship. I do not have the ability to make commitments. I do not handle relationships well, or people for that matter. And I'm really afraid to be bound to anybody. Waiter, we're ready to order. (laughs) Who does that? So if you don't do it in real life, you ain't going to do it in the church. Let's let the musicians come and I'll get out of your hair. Now remember, hey, where's everybody going? They're like, I'm out of here. This church is too truthful. <laughs> uh, anybody that attends regularly knows that I close really long, okay? So look at, look at James 1. Y'all ready? 
James 1, 18 through 21. You there? If you're somewhere between Exodus and Leviticus, we'll, we'll get you saved. <laughs> it's over, over in the New Testament towards kind of the close to the end. James chapter 1, 18 through 21, verse 18, he chose to give us birth. Woo! Hallelujah. It is God who purposed in his heart to save me. He looked beyond my faults. He looked beyond my bondages. He looked behind everything that's wrong with me. And he said, I'm going to save him anyway. Now watch this. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth. How did he save you? He did it with the word. You have been saved by the word of God. And when you save, the word regenerates you. He puts a new gene down inside of you. A new nature down inside of you. A new DNA pattern down in your spirit. He sent His word in your spirit to combat the old man and to regenerate generate your spirit through the word of truth that we might be kind of first fruits of all he created our life should be a representation of an ongoing conversation from God to this community God is having a conversation with this world and what he does is he proves himself through you that he's gracious enough to extend you mercy which is now in you and you're being set free by the renewal of your mind that when somebody looks at you so it says isn't that the nut that used to be down on the corner waving at everybody naked and like now they're in church preaching you know we don't have anybody down on the corner but that would be kind of weird wouldn't it So he saves you to have an ongoing conversation with everybody else that he is real and his mercy can be extended. Watch this. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Remember, anger is a manifestation that I've been hurt. Human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. God is saying getting angry is not going to help. Kick the dog all you want to. That's not going to help. Slap the cat upside the head. That's not going to help. Pee in the fish tank for all I care. It's not going to help. Okay? Tearing down the ceiling fan and throwing things at each other is not going to help. It's not going to work. Just believe me. Verse 21. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent. Watch this. And humbly, somebody say humbly, accept the word of God planted in you which can save you. Now, this is not so much your salvation, but saving me from my anger, saving me from my uh, junky attitude, saving me from those things. Listen to me, church. When you read the Word or you come to sit up under preaching, the Word of God is going out on Sundays. And the people that are going to truly get transformed in this place are the ones that humbly come in here and say, give me all you got, Pastor. They're going to be the ones that receive. They're going to be the ones that go out and change. All the arrogant people in the room, you're pretty much going to stay stuck. And I love you, but some of you haven't changed under my preaching because you don't have the right attitude. And until you become humble, 
you will never receive the planted word of God. I'm throwing out seeds every Sunday and it's falling on you. But with arrogance, that's the stony ground that that seed can't get in. The humble ground is open, ready for the word of God. And those of you that are humble, that word that I'm planting in you is the word that you can use. Why? Because the planted word sets you free from the wilderness of your mind. Your spirit is saved, baby, but the mind must be renewed. And the preaching that I give you helps you renew that noodle. And watch this. Listen to me. I love you. As you hear good word, you're going to start going through changes. And listen, good word should irritate the snot out of you on Sundays. Some of you get so irritated under my preaching. And you don't even know why. It's because the words coming out of my mouth are challenging old demons from your past. Challenging old ghosts. It's challenging hurts. It's challenging philosophies. It's challenging ideas. It's challenging the old you. Have you ever had a wound and it started scabbing over? I've got this rare skin disease on my neck and every time I go to Great Clips, I'm, I'm embarrassed because... You know, I try to tell them it's highly contagious. Don't touch it or, or you'll fall over dead. But um, <laughs> when it starts itching, I know it's healing. Because it starts growing a scab and that scab starts breaking away from it. And, and it's irritating. But itching is a sign of healing. And when you are under good word, which I understand it can be irritating to you. But don't leave the church just yet and say, oh, that pastor, he's just old school. He preaches a hard word. Because here's the deal. You can be irritated and itching up under my preaching and you don't even realize that you were in the middle of your greatest recovery of your life. But because you didn't like it, you'd rather go to a church that tickled your ears and you didn't like the itching. You missed the healing because a healing work was being done in your life. I'm going to get this tape myself and listen to it. Let me show you one other thing and I'll close. Because I know I'm scatterbrained today, but I'm setting you up for next week. And I promise you, next week is going to be good. Okay, thank you, brother. I love you. Being bound is like Lazarus. Y'all remember Lazarus that was dead? and Jesus comes down to the tomb, right? He says, Lazarus, come out. Imagine Lazarus, all bound up. Man, it stinks in here. (laughs) Dead people. I mean, he's bound, right? Because they wrapped him in in linen. They, 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 They got him all ready for the grave. And here comes Jesus and wakes him up. comes alive he's awake but he's bound some of us are in church it's good work pastor 
we're awake, but we're still bound. I love this church, Pastor. But you're stuck. And I don't know who you are in this room. But you heard Jesus call you out or you wouldn't be here. He saved you and you are awake in your spirit. But you're stuck. Look at somebody and say, I got to get free. I got to get out of this mess. I'm awake, but I'm bound. And somebody in here, you're tired of this. And somewhere in the crest of your spirit, you're saying enough is enough. I can't love right. I can't live right. I can't give to my family right. I can't even uh, think right. And you're tired of it. You're tired of the cycle day in and day out. You're tired of doing stuff and apologizing for it. You're saved, but you're stuck. So I've come by to tell somebody today, you may not be where you ought to be, but we need to go ahead and thank God we're not where we were. And we can make it. We can become unbound because the blood of Jesus is over our life and we got the Word of God that will loose us and let us go. I believe for some of you, whether it be today, whether it be tonight at Encounter Night or next week, you're going to get free. Maybe I just need to plant some other things in you that God can set you free. But God is about to give somebody in here a breakthrough that they've come to a place in their life that said enough is enough. Somebody is like this, but somewhere in your spirit, you're like, go ahead, devil. But I'm coming out of this today. I'm tired of this stuff and I'm going to be set free by the power of Jesus Christ. And why I've got to work with two messages is because, listen to me, coming out of the wilderness was a whole lot harder than coming out of Egypt. Winning the battle in your mind is harder than you getting saved. Because watch this, Lazarus came out quickly. Didn't he? He came out quickly. But Jesus said, loose him. Watch this. Jesus was looking at the disciples saying, guys, I woke him up. Now you loose him and let him go. And that should be a word to every pastor and every teacher in this community. That's why I want to be in a good church up under some good preaching. It's because it's the pastor's and the teacher's job of loosing you through teaching. Loosing you through good ministry. Loosing you through good word. Loosing you through sound doctrine. That is God's way of using a man to begin to pull dead stuff off of your mind. And pull dead stuff off of your thinking. And pull dead stuff off of your ideas. So I'm curious. Who in here wants to make a decision to come out of slavery? Every head bowed and every eye closed. If you walked in this place.